baseball, basketball, and football. This is True Sports, a True Chat original podcast with your host, Caleb Spinner. Last week was a busy time in the sports world. Andy Reid and his Kansas City Chiefs won their first championship in Super Bowl 54, in which quarterback Patrick Mahomes was given the MVP award. Several big deals went down on trade deadline day in the NBA, each having the possibility of shaking up the standings after the All-Star break. Finally, the Extreme Football League, better known as the XFL, had its opening weekend featuring four games over Saturday and Sunday. The new professional football organization had a strong start, but critics believe the success won't last. We'll cover all of that and more on today's exciting episode of True Sports. And J.D., I was on vacation. You were up here. We had our conversation with Tim Grattan. Never got to talk about the Super Bowl. What'd you think of it? You know, compared to the year before Super Bowl, I was very impressed. I thought the commercials were great. I thought the game itself was very exciting and it even went down to the wire. And we haven't had that in a while. It's rare that a commercial can get me in my feels, but that, but the Google one this year helped me remember the one where the old guy is telling it to remember all these, def- all these different things about his wife who you assume has passed. That one almost made me cry, man. That was a great commercial. Yeah, I agree. Um, the only other one that has really put me in my feels is, of course, the Budweiser one with the horse and the dog. Oh, yeah. I, yep, I do enjoy that one. Now talking about the actual game, the 49ers Chiefs, that was back and forth as much as possible. I mean, I think the biggest gap was 10 points, and that was in the third quarter. It was tied going to half at 10. That was a great game, in my opinion. And I don't think anyone expected that from Kansas City to only score 10 points and a half. Now they really no, made not up, at all. They really made up for it in the second half, and they kind of made it look like they scored more than what we thought they were going to in the first half. But 10 points and a half, shout out to the 49ers defense. Unfortunately, they weren't able to continue it throughout the game, though, but it was an impressive first half. Well, we knew the 49ers defense was going to come to play. The one thing I was surprised with was Jimmy G in the offense. That running game started off superb. He was hitting darts across the middle. They were breaking off for 10-yard gains. That was an impressive start for an offense that was overlooked going into the game. And the, the Chiefs defense has not been elite most of the season. Now up until that point, like in the playoffs, they were very good. I mean, they held Derrick Henry to under 70 yards rushing. Um, and then the week before, or the, yeah, the week before that, uh, they held the Texans to only 31 points after giving up 24 in the first quarter and five minutes. So their defense has been elite um, ever since the the start of the playoffs. But that's a defense that's had plenty of holes in it um, early on in the season. And I think that early on, uh, the 49ers had a great game plan. I think Kyle Shanahan, he's one of the brightest coaches in the game. He's gonna he has a great future ahead of him. He had a great game plan going into the game, but it's all about halftime adjustments. And I think Andy Reid definitely won the halftime adjustments. Now, in the third quarter, you wouldn't have been able to tell that because 49ers came right out, got a field goal, uh, ended up forcing a couple interceptions. Uh, They went up by 10, and then unfortunately, they weren't able to keep the lead. But uh, Andy Reid came out with some nice adjustments after the third quarter. And I think the combination of him and then Patrick Mahomes magic Uh, is what really helped the Chiefs win the game. I never realized how good of an adapter Andy Reid was, or the Chiefs for that matter, too. Because like you said, when San Francisco came out with a strong start, we didn't see a lot of response from the Chiefs. They couldn't stop the the 10-point run that they went on. But then in the fourth quarter, you saw it. You saw the 49ers offense sort of slow down. You saw the Chiefs start to ramp up. You saw Patrick Mahomes do what he does best, puts the team on his shoulders and get going, which MVP, I know we talked about it a little bit off air, MVP should not have gone 
to no. Patrick Mahomes. Was he amazing in the second half? Absolutely. But it was because of his poor start that he was able to try to make up for his mistakes in the second half and go on a tear as he did. But what a way from Andy Reid and the Chiefs to close out that game. When they took the lead by four and the, the game was coming down, it was in the final few minutes, did they let off the gas? No, they did not. They kept, they put the foot down, they put the pedal harder. Outstanding finish for the Chiefs to close that one out. And I don't know if it was the Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to go back to the MVP talk, I don't know if it was Patrick Mahomes po- playing poorly or that the 49ers defense is just doing what they've done all year long. But Maybe a mix of both. I, I think it was a little bit of both, but you know, either way, Patrick Mahomes, his poor play in the first three quarters is the reason that they were put in a 10-point deficit to begin with. But I, I think it should have gone to Damian Williams. I, he's the only player to ever rush for 100 yards and, and add two touchdowns in a Super Bowl. And he's the reason that they won that game. Now, you can say anything you want about Patrick Mahomes. First of all, it's easy to throw a ball 40, 50, 60 yards down the field when you have the fastest, three fast receivers, but more importantly, the fastest receiver in the in the league who can just run under it. It was an awful throw. It was completely th- underthrown. Uh, if, if it wasn't for Tyreek Hill and the comeback... Uh, on the route, it wouldn't have been an incomplete pass, and who knows what we'd be talking about now. I mean, the 49ers could have added a touchdown after that and sealed the deal, really. Um, so, but Damian Williams, he rushed great, and that's something that I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago coming into the Super Bowl is if the Kansas City Chiefs become a one-dimensional team, they w- they will get annihilated by the 49ers defense. They were able to run the ball with Damian Williams and Patrick Mahomes use his legs a couple times. And I think that's the reason that they won, because they established a run game early, and they were able to use it uh, down the stretch. So Damian Williams is your pick for Absolutely. Super Bowl MVP? If it's not Damian Williams, then you got to go Sammy Watkins or Tyreek Hill. And which one of those would you pick, just hypothetical sake? Hypothetical sake? Oh, I don't know. I think they both had a couple big catches. I would have to go Tyreek Hill just because he had more receptions and yards. But Sammy Watkins' route to burn Richard Sherman uh, in that final touchdown drive, that was pretty impressive. Now, taking a look at the Chiefs, they've got a very young lineup. What's going to be their future? Of course, they have Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be coming back. He looks to be their franchise quarterback, probably is. Uh, You've got Tariq Hill, who's going to be a great asset going forward. You have Watkins, as we talked about, a young guy, Damian Williams. Are the Chiefs going to make it back next year, do you think? Making it back, I don't know. I think their offense is going to stay where it is. They're going to be one of the best in in the NFL uh, it'll be interesting to see what the teams around them do. I know the Chargers uh, just uh, decided to part ways with Phillip Rivers, so it's going to be interesting to see how they fill their quarterback spot. Uh, the Raiders are going to be an interesting team. I, w- I would like to see what they do with the upcoming draft. Um, so their division can possibly get better, uh, th- which would make their competition be better, and you can either grow from that or or you can let it hurt you. On the defensive side of the ball, though, it's going to be really interesting. I think that they're going to have to let Chris Jones go. I think that's a lot of money that you can't afford to spend at this point. I heard that uh, Tyron Matthews is back, who is one of the most um, astounding players this year, I think. And he mm-hmm. was a great pickup for them. Um, he's coming back for another year. Yeah, so, I don't know why he was ever let go. Yeah, you know, uh, That's a question I ask myself every day. But uh, Oh, yeah, because he was a Texan. He was a Texan. I didn't even mean to poke jabs at you there. Yeah, I, I don't know why he was released. And I it honestly, it, it frustrates me because look at all the trash players we got now. But anyway... Um, it's going to be interesting to see where their defense is at. I know their offense is going to still be amazing, but this is a defense that got uh, got some yards put on them and some points put on them uh, throughout most of the season. So it's very tough to win 
uh, to go back to back, but it's even tougher when you when you only play one side of the ball, when you only have an amazing offense and a uh, below average defense. So it's going to be interesting, I think. I think having Tyron Matthew shows that they're going to start putting some value on that defense, though, adding some big stars now that they know they have a solid offense, adding some big stars to that defense. I can't see the Chiefs going down in the AFC. I really can't. I think they're going to stay. The offense, you said the offense is going to stay exactly where it is. Fine. That offense is near untouchable. It took an amazing defense from the San Francisco 49ers, and they still couldn't stop them in the Super Bowl. An, histor- an historic defense at yes, that. Yes, exactly. So keeping the offense where it is, I'm looking at that as a positive for the Chiefs. Absolutely. I can't see them dropping anywhere in the AFC. The only one that I think could top them is the Ravens, just because they were so dominant this year, had the best record in the NFL. Lamar Jackson is amazing. He's really grown into his own there at Baltimore. Maybe the Titans? Maybe the Titans keep riding the success? I don't know. Tannehill stays the starter? We don't know. There's a lot of things that need to happen for Tennessee to stay uh, in contention for a potential Super Super Bowl run. How about the Niners now? You've still got Bosa. Who's who's a great edge rusher? You've got Sherman still. That defense is more or less going to stay the same. Kittle's going to be coming back. Jimmy Garoppolo has now Super Bowl experience, has experience being a decent quarterback. He's going to keep growing. What do you think about the Niners? It's really, it's an interesting thing to look at because Jimmy G is 26, I believe, 26 or 28. If not there, he's close. He's definitely, he's in that range, I believe. So how, how many, how many more years are you going to give him? Now he has less starts than Baker Mayfield and he's two to four years younger than Baker Mayfield. So it's just, he has very little experience and I don't know if you can win a Super Bowl with Jimmy G. And we saw he was not, he was nothing spectacular. Um, in in the Super Bowl, he went twenty for thirty one for two hundred nineteen yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Though with only a sixty nine point two QBR, I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Jimmy G. Now, in saying that, their defense is historic. They're not going to change much. It's going to be interesting to see if they come back as dominant next year. But in that offense, I just don't think that they have enough weapons around uh, Jimmy G. I think they're a breakout player that I didn't expect was Debo Samuel. I mean, he looked amazing in the Super Bowl, especially in the first half, kind of fell off in the second half. Uh, but he's only a rookie. You know, yeah, you said, you know, George Kettle's going to be there. Raheem Moster is going to be there. I don't know how effective that running back core is going to be Tevin next Coleman. year. Tevin Coleman, he was injured, uh, but he came back in the Super Bowl. It's going to be interesting to see that running back core. I don't know if they could stay healthy and be as productive. When we come back, we're going to switch gears to the NBA. Some excitement happened. At the trade deadline, we're going to break it all down. Keep it right here on True Sports, and we'll be right back. This is True Sports, a True Chat original podcast with your host, Caleb Spinner. Welcome back. We broke down Super Bowl 54 between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Talked about the game, the commercials, and the future for each of the teams and their probability of making it back to the Super Bowl. Now we're going to look at the NBA. The trade deadline was on the 6th, uh, February 6th. That was a Thursday. And a lot happened the day of the deadline and leading up to the deadline two days prior. The first one, a four-team deal, started off the active trade deadline. Houston received Robert Covington, Jordan Bell. Minnesota received Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, Evan Turner, 
and Atlanta's first round pick that they got from Brooklyn. Atlanta received Clint Capella, Nene, Keita Bates Diop, Noah Vonley, Shabazz Napier, and Denver received Gerald Green and Houston's first round pick. You got all that? Yeah, I got I retained it. That was a big deal to go down. That was uh two days before. Who won all of that madness? It just depends because you could say Atlanta won the deal with getting Clint Capella, but Clint Capella has been injured a lot of the year. He had that uh, nagging heel injury. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he can come back. Um, but I, I really think it's going to be the Houston Rockets. Now, this is interesting because they are going to be one of the only teams in NBA history to have a starting lineup and to never play a guy over 6'6". And in the NBA, that's that's something spectacular because... You know, big guys who can shoot are like the future of, you know, centers. But they're going to be starting 6'5", P.J. Tucker at center. And think about the guys that he's going to go up against in the Western Conference. you got Anthony Davis, LeBron James on the same team. you got Montrellis Harris for the Clippers. Um, Rudy Gobert is also in the Western Conference. For the Jazz, yeah. Uh, Son Whiteside for Rudy the Blazers. Rudy Gobert himself is a 7-footer. Exactly. And going up against a 6'6". Right. So wow. it's going to be interesting. They're playing this small ball mentality. When the Rockets walk out on the court, you're not intimidating anybody. When all your guys are under 6'6", you're not intimidating anybody. But they have shooters. They absolutely have shooters. And that first game back against the Lakers, they shot 45% from the three-point line. Now, realistically, can is that sustainable? Absolutely not. No. And then they followed, they followed the next game against the Suns and got destroyed. And then they lost against the Jazz. Um, not too long ago. It was early this week. Uh, it was off a game winning shot. You know, I think that's promising for the Rockets because the Utah Jazz are a legitimate contender in the West and you were able to hang with them. So that's, that's a good sign. That's a positive side for Houston Rockets fans. You were able to hang with them with the small ball lineup. Absolutely. Everybody hearing that should assume, of course, that the Houston Rockets would beat the Jazz, but the Jazz are a legitimate team. But it's interesting because Mike D'Antonio, the future for him is skept, is, is sketchy at best. You know, you don't know whether he's going to come back or whether he's going to it's leave. It's uncertain for sure. The GM is also kind of, you know, up in the air right now. So why not go out with a bang? Daryl Money. Yes. If this works, then you're a genius. If it doesn't work, then guess what? Your job was kind of already in danger anyway. So this just kind of is going out with a bang, you know? Like if you're going to get fired from a job, you might as well go out with a bang. You know what I mean? So, you know. The one last YOLO moment. Right. So I think this is a small ball lineup. But if it doesn't work, then it's basically just small. It's not small ball because you're not balling out. You know, you're just small. And you're going to get ran over by every single team in the Western and Eastern Conference. And you might not even make the playoffs with the small ball lineup. But I think it's going to be very interesting. I hope it works because I think it's exciting to watch. But realistically, I don't think it's going to work. Iguodala was moved from Memphis to Miami. I think Memphis won this 100%. Memphis gained... Justice Winslow, James Johnson, Dion Waiters in exchange for the 2015 Finals MVP, Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill. Memphis won this because they got rid of somebody who didn't, who never actually played for them in exchange for Justice Winslow and friends from Miami. I think that's the, that's the win right there. I think the Heat won this deal. I'm going to go against you and say the Heat won the deal because you got Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder. Now, Jay Crowder in his first game dropped a double double, 18 points, 11 rebounds. I don't think that that's sustainable through a year. Jay Crowder is a great regular season guy, but I don't see either Andre Godala or Jay Crowder being a long-term long-term substitutes for the uh, Miami Heat. But I think for this year, they're in playoff contention in the East. And I think other than the Milwaukee Bucks, the East is really a throw-up this year. 
So I think the Heat are, after adding these two guys, the Heat are right there in the mix and should be favorites to grab like a two or a three spot in the East. Think of how inconsistent or uncertain Jay Crowder's future has been. He went from being the big guy in Boston to now with the Cavs, with the Jazz, now with Memphis, now with Miami. I mean, his future was certain with the Celtics. Right. And then when he got dealt for Kyrie, he's been all over and in like the past two or three years. You can say years. the same thing about Isaiah Thomas, who was yeah. now just traded along in the trade deadline, and now he's been cut. And so. then cut, yeah. Jay Crowder has size. Isaiah Thomas does not have size. That's a risk in and of itself, but that's a whole other conversation. The biggest one, I think, aside from my last one, which involves my Cavaliers, is the Warriors deciding to give up on D'Angelo Russell and ship him to Minnesota. I think that was the biggest deal that happened this year. Warriors gave the guard D'Angelo Russell to Minnesota, along with Omari Spellman and Evans in exchange for Andrew Wiggins and two future draft picks. Minnesota won this deal for sure. Do you think Minnesota won? Minnesota won this deal for sure. Pairing D'Angelo Russell with Cat in Minnesota... After losing, that's a great move. But they've lost 14 straight games. Even with, like, I know they've lost it without D'Lo. This is a, we want to get some talent here that we can start developing our young guys that we have on the roster. Jeff Teague as well is a good addition there. Okay, so the let's say that Andrew Wiggins pans out. Even if he pans out, I think he's an average to above average NBA player. I don't think he's anything. Average for sure. I don't think he's anything special. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be special including your Cleveland Cavaliers, who I believe drafted him. We drafted him, but then traded him for love. Right. Yeah. But the 2021 first-round pick is projected to be a top-three pick. That's huge. I mean, that— If it pans out to be that, then the Warriors won that. Absolutely. I I just—I don't know. Andrew Wiggins, I think it's going to be a great addition when the Splash Brothers come back. If I'm the general manager of the Warriors, I'm not taking that deal because it has—it involves a four-letter word that I don't like, and that's risk. This pick could turn out to be— Amazing, or it could turn out to be a bust. Right. Well, the bigger the risk, want, the bigger the I reward. I don't risk because Jim Hopper, again, from Stranger Things, you're in my favorite show. We don't take risks because risks are stupid and we're not stupid. I'm not taking a risk on this, putting my franchise on the table here to risk it on this pick. This pick is the variable in this deal, for me at least. That's the variable. That shows whether the Warriors win or lose this deal. And we don't know that yet. But so how, for now, Minnesota won it. For now. But how many times, like, you can look back now and just be like, what was this pick? Like, let's, if you look at a trade and then you say, well, we gave up a first round pick. And then that first round pick ends up being, I don't know, LeBron James. Andrew Bynum. Yeah. Who the heck is Andrew Bynum? Exactly. Yeah. Like, but so at least for now, you can't tell because it involves this draft pick. At least for now, you can't tell. Down the road, when this pans out, when this pick is actually used, then we might be able to see this. But for the time being, Minnesota, unless this pick ends up being the big thing that it's supposed to be. The final one, the Cavaliers add Drummond to a young roster. Detroit receives Brandon Knight, John Henson, and a second-round pick for the league's leading rebound grabber. What a pickup, but it goes exactly against the message that you just said. You just said that you were going to be giving away your veterans or your older players in exchange for young talent, and then you go out and you get a 26-year-old. Okay, can I ask why? You're in rebuild mode. There's no hope left for this season, at least I believe. It would take something miraculous to be able to make the playoffs. Andre Drummond, you're only going to get him for a half year. Are you? Re- do you want to re-sign him? 
If you're the Cavs GM, are you resigning him? Yeah, absolutely. Why? I'm resigning him because he's two years younger than Love. I'm going to deal Love, keep Drummond. Okay, so Andre Drummond is of a dying breed. Centers now are tall, lengthy, and can shoot and can move. Andre Drummond is a big guy who sits in the paint and grabs boards. He cannot shoot. He is of a dying breed. Do you want Andre Drummond guarding guys like, I don't know, Chris Porzingis, Anthony Davis? Like, can you trust Andre Drummond doing that? And also, he's, I'm going to assume that the Cavs GM is going to resign him or else they wouldn't have made this risk. But if you're Andre Drummond, why would you want to go? Why would you want to go back to Cleveland? I need Drummond for his rebounding. I've got Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Kevin Porter Jr., guys that build their that use their speed effectively and often in a game. They're zooming all around the court drawing defenders. I need somebody to snag the boards. I'm running with a small lineup here with the Cavs. I need height. I need somebody to grab those boards, kick it back out to my quick shooters. Somebody that can dish it off to Kevin Porter or Darius Garland or somebody else who's tall, lengthy, mobile, and can shoot. That's why I need Drummond. He's an offensive burden, though. He can't shoot. So are you going to trust guys in their first, second, and then Colin Sexton in his third year? Are you trusting them to score 100-plus points a game? Because if I'm going after a veteran, I want a veteran guard. Some guy who can run the floor and run an offense. You're not going to run your offense through Andre Drummond, who cannot shoot. And all I, he does I is admit rebound. Drummond's not very mobile. I admit he's got cement block feet. But right now, that's what I need him to do is to rebound. Drummond is not a steal, but for what I gave away, yeah, he's worth it. For what you gave away, you won the deal. But look at the structure of your team. You're re, you're in rebuild mode. You got most of your guys are in play or year one two, right now. You can't rely on guys that young to score hundred plus points a game. If I'm the Cavs, I'm looking for a veteran guard that can do that right now. And I, I, I could have given up the same thing to find a veteran guard out there. Also, you need to give away Kevin Love. I, I agree that. Yeah, definitely need to give away Kevin Love. Yeah, we had a, we did a whole show on how to give away Kevin Love. Yeah, and that, who to get for Kevin Love? That definitely so, needs to be done. Yeah, that needs to be done. Uh, would you Would you rather? Okay, so you have to trade one of them. Okay. You trade Andre Drummond or Kevin Love? I think I know what you're going to pick, but just say Are you it talking so I about can confirm it. Like this year. Yeah, or no, 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 down the road. Okay, well, if Kevin Love can pull his head out of his butt, I, I'd like to keep him because he can be a great player if he wants to stay in Cleveland. So if you can somehow make the guy want to stay, then absolutely get rid of Andre Drummond because they're going to be better centers. I mean, look at the centers that are going to be in the draft this year. You have Luca Garza from Iowa. Which one's better for what the Cavs want to do? The rebuilding mentality, which one's better for it? I know they both don't fit it because one's 26, one's 28, but who is better for it? Kevin Love. I want a guard that is going to be a leader in the locker room and that can run the floor and can run a play, and the play will run through Kevin Love. So I would say Kevin Love. I think that's what I say too, but for now at least, Drummond's going to be a rebound getter. He's going to get the ball to my shooters who are small and don't have a great chance of getting the boards. But True Chat's mission is to educate people by providing honest, open, and respectful conversations. If you think we're not upholding this mission at any time during today's episode, email your grievance to ethics at truechat.org. That's E-T-H-I-C-S at truechat.org. Stay in touch with True Sports by visiting our website, truesportspodcast.com, and by following at truesports underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram. Before we wrap up today's show, we're going to take a minute to hear from one of our sponsors.
This is True Sports, a True Chat original podcast with your host, Caleb Spinner. Welcome back. We've covered the Super Bowl. We've covered the trade deadline, both two big events that happened last week. Now we're going to move on to the third and final major event that happened over the last seven days, the XFL's opening weekend. What a success. Over 3 million viewers for each of the games, peaking at 4 million for the Defenders-Dragons game. Uh, 17,000, over 17,000 live in attendance at each of the four stadiums that was played. The DC Defenders beat the Seattle Dragons 31-19. The Roughnecks of Houston cruised past the Wildcats of Los Angeles 37-17. Both those games happened on Saturday. And then on Sunday, the New York Guardians handled the Vipers of Tampa Bay 23-3. And the St. Louis Battlehawks defeated the Dallas Renegades 15-9. From attendance, from the rules, from the replay booth, this was a this was a perfect outing, perfect opening, perfect start. Couldn't have wished for a better better weekend. And and how do you make up for the lack of big name stars and big name coaches? You add some exciting moments in there. First of all, after the Battlehawks win, you got guys that are shotgunning hard seltzer. I, I don't know if you like even had seltzer water, but it's carbonated. So I can't imagine having to shotgun a hard seltzer drink. It would be like a mixture of pop rocks and fire ants in your throat. Like I can't even imagine you got guys who are projectile vomiting on the field. That was exciting to see. I mean, you, you never see that. I mean, yeah, that's a no, guy you never do see that. That's a guy who's, you know, not in shape at all to play football. He's out there running routes every single play. That's exciting. You see, you know, it's not going to be your NFL, but let's be honest. Do you know the name of even 25% of the guys in the NFL? No. You know that you know maybe 10 I know the big guys. I don't know the others. You know the big names. So what's the difference? In the NFL, you probably only know about 10 to 15% of the names. Well, when each team has 53 guys, it's hard to know everybody's name. Well, yeah, you probably know the people who are on your team and then outside of that you probably only know the big names. Right. That's how what's the difference in the XFL? You I might can know. name far more Browns players than I can anybody else in the league. Exactly. You can name maybe a player here and a player there in the XFL. Not a lot of big names and you're not going to get the kind of talent in the NFL, but a promising start. You got a lot of trick plays which I enjoy. I I love seeing the trick plays. I I love the extra point where you can go for one, two or three. I love that. And I love the fact that you you can play football. I saw hits in these XFL games Roger Cadell would put you in an electric chair for some of those hits in the XFL. Like, I mean it. Like, well there, said. there were some vicious hits, and that's what I love. All legal. Exactly. All legal. And that is why you had so many viewers, because the people are getting sick and tired of the NFL trying to take football out of football. Well, you, well you'd figure you'd have physicality when the league is started by the CEO of the WWE. Exactly. And how exciting is it that you can be interviewed the moment you miss a game-winning field goal? You have an announcer. I love that. You have an interviewee right up your butt trying to get a question out of you. And it, it actually happened in the first game. He missed a field goal that would have tied the game, and she tried to interview him. And I'm like, I love that. I, I think that's funny. You know what? You I know would what like this, to see that more. You know what this reminds me of? This yeah. reminds me of Barstool Sports. This XFL is the Barstool Sports of professional football. I leagues. agree. 
The NFL is your ESPN, your Fox, your professional, your prim and proper league. The XFL is your, I'm going to wear a hoodie to work. We're going to just take this casually. We're going to relax. We're going to have fun. That's what it reminds me of. And it's not clashing with the NFL. So no, can, it's not. So you can afford to get away with that. And yeah. then also from like a fan standpoint, like what me and you did, we just picked a team that yeah, we, we, we like. There's I a- used location. You did. I'm not sure how you picked yours. Uh, there was a screenshot thing on Twitter, and it just ah, cycled all the teams. I screenshot like, like the roulette kind of wheel yeah. thing that you have to stop, and it picks your team. Yes. I looked. They released a uh, – the XFL Instagram released a map of the United States, and they showed which team was closest uh, to each county in the U.S., and Champaign County, where we live, is closest to St. Louis. Barely. I was going to say. I am literally about one county off. We're right on the border – of Battlehawk and Guard and Defender territory. So I'm a St. Louis Battlehawks fan. You're a Dallas Renegades fan. My Battlehawks beat your Renegades. But opening week, we've still got nine more weeks, 10 games total to enjoy this league. And it's during spring when the NFL is gone. That's, right. that's perfect release time for it. Right. And who, what can you expect from either team? And that's the excitement about just picking a team to like. You don't know what to expect from them. Who knows? Right. The the teams that right now are sitting 0-1 could finish 0-11, or they could finish 10-1 and because we don't know what they're capable of. We've never seen any of these teams or any of these players play together. It's interesting. I really hope this league lasts. Although we did, we did find out who the Browns were in the XFL. Yes, we did. Los Angeles Wildcats fired their defensive coordinator after one game in a brand new league. After only giving up 37 points. After only 37 points. Yep. Which was the most 37-17. Right. Two. So you lost by 20. Week the, one. I, I have to think there had to be some locker room issues or behind the scenes stuff that we weren't seeing because the fire guy after one game in an inaugural season, it's just interesting to see. Maybe to cause some headlines. I don't know. I don't know if you do, but I have the app. They have an XFL app. I have the XFL app. app. Yeah. I need to get that It's now. there. Available on the, on the app store. I'll wow, just uh, get my free your, advertisement right there. It's awesome because you have the you have the news, you have the schedule, you can buy tickets from the app, and there's more. You can buy like um, you can change your favorite team. You have news and videos, a shop. Yeah, there's a whole section for your favorite team. So as soon as you log into the app, you pick your favorite team, and it's got like there's my Battlehawks right there. I'm, I'm they, showing it to them. Do they have a team shop? Yeah, they have a team shop. It's it's perfect. It's literally everything that you want as a fan for football. Is the XFL. It's perfect. I love it. It's perfect. So with all of this success, JD, though, is it realistic to assume that it's going to continue for these for these other nine weeks? Out of all And the- I know I'm asking you to speculate right. way beyond what you what you know, but humor me. Out of all the other leagues that we've seen, none of them have had a promising start as this one had. And nope. I th- and I think with the rules in the NFL and, and NFL football becoming softer and softer by the year, you're gonna see leagues like this have some success. What is going to rely on right now? Uh, can you get big name guys out there like Antonio Callaway? Not a big name in the NFL, but he plays with the Vipers now. You know what? You know what I think the greatest story is in the XFL. What's that? Damon Sheehy Giuseppe is he in the XFL? He's the New York Guardian wide receiver, the preseason Browns punt returner who took one to the house after being homeless, talked his way into a workout. A collegiate football player talked his way into a workout. Ended up having a preseason spot with the Browns, was cut due to space, now has a second chance in the XFL with the New York Guardians. Mark my words, that's going to be a movie in three years. Let's get into our agree to disagree question of the day for new listeners and those who may not be familiar with this segment. JD and I will each have one minute to answer a topic-related question submitted by a member of the audience. Today's question, 
who will win the 2020 NBA All-Star Game this weekend. And first, can I say it's glad to be back on this? Because we've had guests the past couple weeks, and I haven't been able to debate you in a while. And so I feel good to be back here. I I feel excited for this. I'm going to go out and say, if we're looking at lineup-wise, LeBron has the better lineup. Easily. No, No doubt saying that. But if we're looking at who will probably win, I think Giannis. I think Giannis is going to push his team. I think Giannis is going to outshine brighter than anybody else like he usually does. I think Team Giannis is going to get the win here. Uh, The dunk contest is going to be great. Three-point contest, skills challenge as they always are. Cavaliers have a representative in the Rising Stars game, Colin Sexton. Uh, And I love watching the U.S. World game. I love watching that game. That's going to be a great one too. JD, who wins the All-Star game for you? Well, since you said Team Giannis, that was the one I was going to go with, but I'm going to change it just to be different. Uh, LeBron is 2-0 and in games that he is the, quote, GM in. Uh, so I, history is on his side. The little history that we have is on his side. And look at his starting five. Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, and James Harden. That is an offensive juggernaut right now. Now, Giannis is used to carrying a team by himself. Guess what? He does it with the Milwaukee Bucks year in and year out. Now he has supporting roles, but he's used to carrying teams by himself. But he's never faced a team like that. I mean, when you got Russell Westbrook, the Joker, and Jason Tatum all on your bench, you got a pretty stacked lineup. So I'm going to go with Team LeBron big over Giannis. In the skills challenge, you have guys like Beverly, Jason Tatum, who was the returning champion, Spencer Dinwiddie, Pascal Siakam, Shai Gilgis Alexander, your guy for now plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Three-point contest. Okay, who wins out of those guys? Jason Tatum. Challenge. Jason Tatum. You Jason say he's going to repeat? Back-to-back, baby. Three-point challenge. Uh, Devontae Graham, Zach Levine, Duncan Robinson. My pick for the winner, Trey Young. You have Buddy Heald, Davis Bertans, Joe Harris, who was a champion a couple of years ago, I think 2018, from the Brooklyn Nets. And you have your guy, Damian Lillard. I love Damian Lillard. And guess what? He is going to beat Joe Harris, who's the uh, defending champ. Was he last year? Yes. Okay, I knew it was recent. And then the dunk contest. This one's interesting. Dunk contest. Dwight Howard of the Lakers. Derek Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat. Aaron Gordon making a return from the Orlando Magic. And Pat Connington, the Notre Dame boy from the from the Milwaukee Bucks. It's rare to see two guards in there. One of them's Aaron Gordon, so of course we know his leaping ability. But Pat Connington, that's a surprise to me. That's that's a real surprise, but I'll be excited to see that. This is going to be a good game. JD, I have a boring weekend this week. Give me something to watch with Swenson's Games of the Week. Well, it's going to, it's going to be an interesting week because in the NBA, you only have uh, the All-Star Games going on right now. I Personally, I'm not a fan of, uh, of the All-Star Weekend. I think it's too uh, boring and slow, and I don't like all the politics behind it. But we're going to turn to the XFL. And NCAA, which NCAA basketball, we're getting down to the thick of things. March is so close, and nothing is more exciting than March Madness. So that's where we're going to start right now. We're going to start with West Virginia traveling to Baylor. Baylor is one of the best, it is the number one team in the nation on a 21 game winning streak. I think offense is going to be slim here. Both these teams pride themselves on their defense. But how do you argue with Baylor? Out of all the inconsistent teams this year and all the upsets and all the uncertainty about who's the number one team in the nation, Baylor has stood constant. They've been like one of the few constant things in the entire league. They are going to get the win against West Virginia, and I think it's going to be double digits um, to surprise you. 
and then we're going to go to the XFL. And I got to go, and I'm not only picking this because it's my team, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Wildcats will answer to a new defensive coordinator, which we don't even know who he is yet, but it's going to be the Dallas Renegades against the LA Wildcats. Like I said, the Wildcats got destroyed on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the uh, Renegades only had, what, nine points in that loss, I believe? Right, yes. So it's going to be interesting. We have an offense that's not very good against a defense that's not very good. Whoever wins that matchup right there is going to win. I'm going to say the Renegades get their first ever win. In the history of the XFL. In the history of the XFL. In the history. Dallas will get their first win. Well, you know what I can say now is my franchise has never lost. And LeVar, LeVar Ball, undefeated, never, never lost. lost. Undefeated, never lost. <laughs> I hate I hate LeVar Ball. I, I think that's a good way to end it. Let us know your thoughts on today's episode on social media at TrueSports underscore pod. Also make sure you visit TrueSportsPodcast.com to listen to previous episodes and to read the True Sports blog. New articles of the blog are posted Mondays and Fridays, so there's always something to keep you involved and entertained at TrueSportsPodcast.com. For True Sports in Urbana, Ohio, I'm Caleb Spinner. And I'm J.D. Swenson. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Wednesday. But for now, that's the show. We're out of here.